0: Hello and welcome back to where are all my friends doing a little bit of a different episode this week, but I did it once before and I really liked it and I got a pretty good response on it. So let me know what you think of it. But it is a best of episode. Every now and then there will be a series of so many good episodes in a row that I really don't want them to get missed or maybe you didn't get a chance to catch all of them. So this is an attempt to grab some of my favorite clips from a couple episodes, put them all together, do a little bit of a shorter episode, hopefully give you summary. Summarization, summarization? Yeah, that's it. Of a couple rad moments in a couple rad episodes. So, with that said, I'm gonna start this episode off with the latest episode from Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath. He's been on the podcast a couple times and somehow every time he's on it is such a vibe and there is such a dynamic between the two of us and we end up in these really deep rad conversations. So this episode we talked a lot about the new album Voyeurist and making that but before that there was this little moment where he talked about the early days of Under Oath and that magic feeling before the band was successful. Before they had proven that this was going to be such a big thing and just blindly going into touring and some of his favorite memories and in that he tells this really funny story of them staying at someone's house and a skunk in a bathtub and it captures this essence of something so pure and special so
1: let's jump right into it so in 2002 or 3 we started touring full time and at that at that point there was no money involved right we didn't have like there was no, there was no, like, we're going to get a bus or stay in a hotel. It wasn't that. It was like, mm-hmm. you would meet, I don't even know how this happened. Like, I lived for years like this. We used to just stay at people's houses from the show. Yeah, dude. How the fuck yeah. does that happen?
0: I actually talked about that on another podcast. And I was like, hey, if this is still a thing, will you let us know? Dude, and like, I would love are- to
1: know. It, it is, it is. It's still real. It's still real. Okay, so... We can unpack that later, but let me tell this yep. one story. So I don't understand how you would find the folks that would let you stay at their house. I don't get it. Like, I remember, I don't know. Did you say it from stage? I don't remember. Like, dude, I have no idea. But yeah, one particular evening, and this is what I think about when I think about this, this successful photo that I post on Instagram. One particular <laughs> evening, we went to this girl's house and it's weird from the jump. You know it's like, oh, the whole kind of thing out when of the you way. explain that on paper too, of like
0: staying at strangers' houses after shows, people are like, "What the fuck like i yeah I'd lived Sorry. that way for
1: years, which yeah. i don't even I don't know how I'm alive or how I escape I don't get it anyways, like this particular evening, <laughs> we get there and there's like not a lot of lights on. it's weird, right? like, and the house is like like it's all different splits like got split level kind of home. I live in a split level home now, so like Like I'm in, I'm on the third floor and then there's a middle floor and then I'm on the bottom floor. There's a middle floor and then we have a third floor and the house was kind of like that, but everything was stone and, and I'm not, I'm making it sound grandiose. This was like not grandiose. We get there and we're disgusting. You know, at that stage, you like shower once a week. It's like, yeah, you're so somebody says something about like, Hey, can we use your shower? She goes, no, the shower's closed, but. Closed. She said, closed. She goes, no, the shower's closed. We have a, a bathtub upstairs. I'm like, fuck. So one guy goes upstairs and tries to take a bath. And somehow it was the only room that was heated. So we all ended up in the room with this dude while he's taking a bath. <laughs> Just hanging out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's... Sounds so insane, but that
0: also is just tore. you're just like, well, yeah, I mean, it's the heated room. So, so you drain, got
1: drain, <laughs> refill, repeat, like in a line. And this girl who we don't know, dude, I swear, this girl who we don't know keeps coming in. Do you guys need anything? And we're like, no. <laughs> Do you fuck? at least have like a little
0: curtain or something no, for the no, bathtub? Man. Or is it no. just the honor system of like, don't it, look at your guys while yeah. you're bathing?
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> wild. So... At some point, dude, I wish, I wish, I wish I could like, my memory was more vivid because some of these stories. No, it's perfect this way with the holes in it. (laughs) So so at some point, um, I go downstairs and I'm like, man, I got to pee really bad. And I ask her, she's like in the kitchen area. I'm like, can I use, can I use the bathroom? She's like, you guys were in the bathroom. I'm like, and at this point, I'm like, there's a, there's a naked dude in the tub. The other guys are sitting on the ground. Can I just pee in the other bathroom? I don't want to use the shower. So I go into the 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 fucking, the closed shower, right? And I pull the curtain back. I'm interested. You know, I'm like, yeah, I got to know why the shower's closed. Somebody's got to tell me. <laughs> so I'm peeing. And while I'm peeing, in the act of peeing, I open the shower curtain and there is a fucking skunk in the, you know, like the tub. Shower. Is
0: it? Is it alive or dead?
1: It's it's alive, totally alive. <laughs> and it's like I can hear its finger, its fingernail. You know what I'm talking about? It's like scratching around, and I'm just blown away. I'm blown away. <laughs> Was it like a pet skunk? Do you think, I don't know. Did I didn't say Capture any, it, or I <laughs> shut the door. We slept on the floor for three hours, and we left, and never heard from her or anything again. But I tell that stupid ass story to say like the. The 17 years between those two vignettes, you know, mm-hmm. like the <laughs> the 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 tens of thousands of people a couple months ago, <laughs> the drumstick, you know, like the hair and like all the equipment and the people and they know the words and the thing and then, you know, taking a leak and there's a fucking skunk with the skunk shower and like that arc, that hockey stick between there and there. And every, every stop along the way feels bigger than it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and as we're talking about it, it's so interesting to me that like, you know, you've seen me in the element with the stick in my hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've seen it. It's not oh, that I've exciting. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking The production and the crazy and everything. no, no, no but I'm everything? saying like, but in conversation, what's more exciting? The skunk or the drumstick? The skunk. A hundred percent. You see what I mean? Like, so I think, yeah. I think, uh, you know, about your book. Like, I think that the beginning of like, what's really the important stuff, like and, and designing that is more important than the valley. And then even the goal, because I've met the goal and I'm thankful. Like the goal was to get all the way there. And mm-hmm. there was a many different goals set from skunk house to stage eight weeks (laughs) ago in front of 10,000 people or whatever. You know what I mean? There's many different bars set in between. But I think my favorite part of all of it is down to those four little things. We were doing something we loved. We were being really honest with people. We might've been sleeping in a skunk house, but at least we had that. You know what I mean? And the problems then, the problems that we had to solve and the feelings that we had and the communication that we had. We're able to have it was so much more profound when it was so distilled down to that really simple thing. So how, the moral of the, what I'm trying to say is how do we get back to skunk house on that level? Mentally, how do we get how do we mentally get back to skunk house but still be in the photo with a stick? You know what I'm saying? That just
0: fucked me up. And we're back. This next clip is from Garden, who was also on the podcast before, but we recently spoke and caught back up. And in this clip, it's him talking about his experience as an artist, what it's like to be signed to a label and to be independent, and the pros and cons of both. I've talked to a lot of artists, both unsigned and signed, but I'm not an artist. So hearing his side of that and him explaining the pros and cons of what it's like from his view and what the benefits and the downfalls were on both sides was super interesting. And I think for anybody listening, if you're an artist, you'll get great value out of it. Or if you're on the other side from the industry or looking to understand the industry, it'll help you have a certain amount of understanding and empathy for what that's like on the artist side. So this was a clip that was really interesting, really cool. Let's get into it.
2: We, we went back to New York City. This was the middle of the five shows that I did with Oliver Francis opening for him. Yeah, so and I found my first deal. Uh I think it was either I think it was the end of November, beginning of December of twenty eighteen. And I was with them for about two, a little over two years. Super cool. Uh I, I had a good experience, but overall I think like a majority and this is this is more so major labels. So I, I wouldn't really worry about this if you're like talking to ARs or if you're talking with smaller independent labels, but a lot of major labels kind of focus on singles or they go, oh, this one song has potential and they really push and they push and they push for that one song. And what I kind of saw with my deal is they, they saw a lot of potential in I Think You're Really Cool. Um, it had a lot of success on TikTok. It had a lot of radio success. And eventually it kind of fizzled out and they were like, oh no. And it, it like kind of like felt like I made a song that was a moment in time which i i kind of consider a lot of my songs moments in time Mm -hmm. but to them they were like oh no like if this is just a moment in time like this is an l we really got to push this so i think a lot of labels and this isn't me trying to like stir the pot or anything but a lot of labels kind of focus on those hit songs and the potential of those hit songs rather than your entire discography yeah. whereas if you're an independent artist you can kind of focus on marketing yourself however the fuck you want like you could you can push for one song you can push for two songs you can push for a project etc so i think yeah. in working with a label you have a lot of potential to expand your connections you have a lot of potential to expand your career as a whole through one song two songs five songs it just, it all it all depends on your situation and the scenario but i think overall it's Kind of smart to stay independent if you know how you want to navigate your career. And where I was at at the time, I was really lost in what I wanted to do and what I could do. And I didn't really see a lot of potential in myself. So being on a label really kind of brought that attention towards me. And they were like, yo, you can fucking do this. And they really kind of like put the battery in my back and it helped me understand my full potential. And even though there was, like, some highs and lows in that situation, as there is anything else in life, um, I, I came out of it learning a lot. And it was a big learning experience for me. And overall, it was a positive experience. So to anybody that's listening to this that is kind of being like, oh, should I, should I sign a deal? Should I work with, like, these people that are hitting me up? Just think about it. Just put some thought into it. Um, no harm, no foul. And Dude, uh, you
0: said that yeah, really well. And like what I Next. took <laughs> took away from that is like, that's not you trying to be like political or diplomatic or anything like that. Like, I think mm-hmm. you said that really well. And I think your advice to an artist is really good because what you said there is like, you didn't really know who you were and you felt like you needed help. And in all reality, you got opportunities and help that you never would have gotten without that. However, it's to a degree a business, right? And you're giving up a percentage of a catalog or whatever you're giving up for those opportunities. And sometimes that's totally worth it, but it's something to be aware of. Read the contract, know what you're giving up, know what the deal is, but also like, What you said about the moment thing, I've never really heard anybody explain it like that. And I've worked on both sides, like with independent artists, like being just on tour with them, whatnot. And then I've worked with labels and, you know, managers and as a label kind of so like labels looking for moments, that's not a bad thing. That's not saying like all you are is a moment or a single to them, but that's Mm -hmm. where labels can shine. That's where they can go to other partners like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, wherever and say, hey, I work with this artist and this moment is happening and you should pay attention. And that's kind of like the common speak. Like that's that's the language of the industries. Oh, you have a moment. Let us know about this moment. We'll showcase this moment. But there's not really as much space to say, oh, you have this project. You have this whole long visual concept. You have this thing that's bigger than this. Sure. If you're fucking massive, if you're Beyonce or I don't know, fucking just like big artists, like, yeah, there's more attention. But for a smaller developing artist, really, the only amount of attention you can get is a moment. So if a label Mm. sees a moment, they'll help you raise that moment. And if you're losing that moment, they'll say, hey, what can we do to get another moment just like this? And as an artist, maybe you say, well, that's just one moment. I don't want my career to be defined by that. And I don't want to just make that same thing over and over again. So Mm. you kind of just fucked me up with that. Like, that's a really good way to put it. And I understand it now differently from an artist's perspective.
2: Yeah. And I think like even like... Thinking about that from an independent point of view, a lot of artists, even like outside of music, like if you're not a musician or an artist, like a lot of artists or musicians or just bands that you listen to, you'll find them through that one song. And I think it's kind of up to you as a listener to indulge in the rest of their catalog or like dive deep into their discography and that that ultimately is up to the listener that's not up to the artist that's not up to like the label that they're signed to that's not up to anybody but the listener and i think if you have one song that really sticks with somebody they're bound to check out the rest of your stuff if they like it or not that's up to them but i think as a label or just like as anybody that works in the music industry you kind of go into it thinking that like oh well like this song will push them this much further to other people checking out this song as well as the rest of their stuff. So I don't think like a label focusing on one single or or just like one track out of your discography is necessarily a bad thing. I think if you trying to think of how to word this I think if you don't make I don't want to say like if you don't make a song that's that significant or like that good as that song, then you like won't be able to fulfill your listeners' needs. But I think like if if that one song captures a lot of attention and that eventually like kind of like fades into the people like checking out the rest of your stuff. And like that's that's good. That's a good thing. And that's something that like you, as an artist you'd want. Yeah. Um but I I don't know. I think a lot of people get lost in where their focus should be rather to like where where it is.
0: All right, this last clip is from Christine Osazawa. This was a really cool episode because I hadn't met Christine at all before we recorded this. And sometimes you kind of just take this blind leap of faith when you have a guest on that you haven't met. But I knew enough about her story where it seemed like she was pretty well accomplished. And I was really interested in what she did. As soon as we started recording this episode, I was like, oh my god, I'm in. You are brilliant. So this episode is her talking about using your disadvantages to your advantages and kind of getting out of your own way. Specifically talking about getting involved in the music industry and getting your start in it. It can feel pretty daunting. It's not like you can just get this specific formal education, graduate and the next day get a job. You kind of have to get scrappy and get creative and really find your own lane. She was so good at that. And she broke down that feeling of it like being a little daunting and intimidating and kind of just having to push past that and start. I, I think this clip really hit me because... I hope that anybody listening to this that maybe is at that point will hear this exact moment and be like, all right, it's time. Let's go. So an amazing episode. She's super inspiring. She started Measure of Music herself. She's worked at a ton of labels. I have so much respect for her. So uh, yeah, great clip. Let's get into it.
3: Yeah, there's that grit of like the music industry does not like for better or worse, the music industry does not want to hear your excuses. Like, straight up, it does not want to hear excuses at any point in time. So it's like, oh, if you wanted to be a journalist, why aren't you a dreaded journalist? If you wanted to be in music marketing, why aren't you doing some marketing? If you want to manage an artist, you better go find an artist to manage. You know, there's no, like, do the thing that you said you're going to do. Because literally, I would tell people, like, I remember, and like, again, for better or for worse, I would, you know, I've worked at major labels, and I would talk to people, and they were like, yeah, I started as an intern, and they offered me a full-time job, so I just quit school. So that right. person is like 19 years old. With, she's like like 21 years old with like three full years of industry experience at a major label because they were just like, cool, I'm, I want to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing now. Like, yeah, like, do the thing. Um, And it's a pain. And it's a, like, you have to have, like, the thing about it that I think is really interesting about the music industry is one of the, it's a component of the music industry that allows you to, like, there's a p- component of the music industry that has no gatekeeping mm-hmm. that allows you to just go ahead and do the thing you want to do without very many resources which i think is very very cool because like for example if you went to work in fashion you would need all of the you know the clothing and paying for all these things stuff like that but if you want to work in music you find your friend down the street who happens to run you know be in a band and then you go out on tour with them as their tour manager right like you just do the right. thing <laughs>
0: yeah like there's not really like a cost to entry <laughs>
3: And it's funny, but it's no cost in of itself.
0: (laughs) And as you're saying it in real time, like I kind of am realizing, like a thought of like, there anybody can work in the music industry, but this whole idea of like, we'll just do it and start. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's even a deterrent at times because maybe it's almost like when you're on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. you feel like you need somebody's permission or authority or mm-hmm. somebody to officially say start or this is your new role. And I think that that's maybe something that even I struggled with in the beginning was it was like, oh, fuck, like, I just have to kind of say that I'm doing this and do it one day. Yep. Even with this podcast, like I didn't fucking I didn't know anything about podcasts. Like one day I was like, oh, I, I have these microphones, I guess I just have to hit record and whatever. So it's like, it's interesting that. Maybe the biggest gatekeeper in the beginning is just the re- like the lack like of realization that it's just right? like you just have to go. No one's going to give you permission. Yeah, yeah.
3: which is weird. Which is like can be daunting, right? It can be yeah, super daunting to think about it. Where you're like, oh, huh. like I remember when I started my magazine. I'm like, oh, huh, I guess I'm a journalist now, you know. And I'm sending <laughs> emails to like you know like publicists and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, can I interview so and so? And like the thing, about, the thing that I found really interesting about the music industry, and even to this day, in a lot of ways um is that people say yes a lot which i find really <laughs> cool
0: <laughs>
3: that's so funny because that's actually right? true like people will say yes and i'm like i like and like the only thing you could do is just shoot your shot right and so i remember yeah. like like i interviewed like cobra starship at the height of popularity of cobra starship and like i just happened to email god i guess it was probably was not been by buy ramen i guess right i yeah, just happened to email over there right man. or my crush or something i was just like hey you know i really love the email the, the you know the, the the guys can i do it they're like yeah sure because thankfully like, one really good thing about living in baltimore is that when you live in new york you're competing with like rolling stone we live in baltimore you're competing with like the The newspaper and the newspaper wasn't interviewing pop punk kids, you know. So yeah, like, yeah. Sure. So you were the one press
0: stop for Baltimore.
3: <laughs> I was the one press, and they're also like, "Hey, can you? Where's the mall?" And like, I remember walking around the mall with like one of the like the guitarist and Cobra Starship because like they don't know anyone in Baltimore. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like nineteen, right?
0: <laughs> and that's like such a great like. I think that that's also a cool thing of using your location or your disadvantage to your advantage because yeah. it's like living in London, New York, LA, some of these places, all of a sudden now your competition is the most established and the best. But like, if you're out in Baltimore or I don't know, really just any cities that maybe you'd call B markets in Mm -hmm. music or whatever, all of a sudden you can be the one person that's doing it best or that's helping people out in your interest. And then you become the person.
3: Yeah. That's how I made some of like really good friends growing up was that like they came to our small little club shows and like, we were like me and my friend were like, Hey, do you know anyone here? Do you need food? Do you want to go out? Do you want to get out? Yeah. Like we know yeah. you're in this tiny little market
0: and So there it is, the end of the Where are all my friends? Best of episode round two. Let me know what you thought of that. I really like the idea for this format. Maybe you didn't get a chance to catch all of those episodes. Maybe you have a shorter commute and you just want something a little bit more condensed. I really wanna Perfect this though. So, if you had any ideas, if you want more clips from every guest, if you want shorter clips, if you have any suggestions, let me know. I'm trying to tweak it, but I hope you liked it. And also, at the end of the episode, I normally remind you to subscribe and share, blah, 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 all that good stuff. But I want to do something a little bit different at the end of this one because I appreciate my producer and editor so freaking much. And you've probably heard me talk about her, but I want to take a second to purely shout her out at the end of this, and that is Diana Elise. When I say the show wouldn't be possible without her, it's so true, especially lately. I don't know if you've noticed, but the rebrand and all the new graphics and all of the new YouTube content and the clips and the promo clips and everything, that is all her and I am so appreciative of her. I really want to take a second to just share that and to shout her out. So Diana, as you're putting this together, throw your website link or your Instagram or anything, but for any listener, shoot her a follow, check out her work. I really, really appreciate everything she does. I'm watching her career grow. I'm watching her constantly level up and it's the sickest thing ever. And every time we finish an episode, I'm like, damn, you're getting good. It is an honor to work with you. So this end of the episode is purely a Diana shout out website. Instagram, links, this, that, anything, Deanna, just stack it. Just all you, you could like base boost clip this like when it's all your stuff. I wanted to purely, purely shout her out because she's freaking amazing and her work deserves to be seen and blow the hell up. So there it is. Thank you for listening to Where Are All My Friends. I'll be back next week with another episode. That's it.